we you know that you know that scene in Johnny Mnemonic, right? Where he's like goes on the internet. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I'm making a long distance phone call. That's how every time I feel when we hit play. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movies That Whip. I'm Gooey, here with Adriel. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing pretty well. This movie has really just made my, my weekend bearable, so... Oh, it's uplifting. <laughs> yes, we've we've got our swords uh, on us and our holsters, <laughs> and... I've actually taken mine out because I feel like I'm in a safe space, to be honest. I've set mine on the table... Yeah, it's um, it's where everyone can see it. I don't have any hidden daggers. You remember? Okay, you remember the part in the movie? Was it uh, Mercutio and Benvolio, and they're like, they're like pointing their guns at each other and stuff. That's what we're doing right now to each other, and I feel I still feel safe. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we we're we're just showing like the little the butt of the gun, just so that everyone knows we have it. <laughs> But we're but we're not we don't have to do anything with them. Take your just put the safety back on. <laughs> well, we're shooting today. We're talking about the movie William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, that's I'm reading it as written. That's <laughs> um, also known as Romeo and Juliet from 1996, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, starring. Leo and Claire Danes. <laughs> oh God, this movie! I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say right off the bat, this is one of my favorite movies, like of all time. I love, I love That's this awesome. film. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if you knew that going into, going into today, but this was one of. It's just every time I watch it, I'm like, it's unmatched. It's I think that it's Baz Luhrmann's best film, and I think this is the best version of Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, so we were, you know, we were trying to decide what to do next. We didn't really announce it, and then we we're like, oh, it's it's February. Let's it, see something uh, romantic. <laughs> I guess. I mean, this is a it's a it's a sad, tragic, you know, story. But you know, it's a it's one of the classic romance stories. So we we went there, and then it happened to be one of your favorites, and we thought. Perfect. Let's go with it. And and it fits, you know, it, it's like a, a perfect choice. This is perfectly fits in the canon. So I'm really excited about this one. It definitely um, fits in the canon of whip ass. And <laughs> not only is it like a classic love story, which it is, it's a classic tragedy, as we all know, mm -hmm, I hope. Mm -hmm. But it is really, truly romantic in a present day. Like it is sexy and romantic in this like really earnest beautiful way at least in my opinion mm -hmm. so sure yeah, yeah it's yeah. not just writing the coattails of being you know a shakespearean drama it is it is romantic in a very you know 20 20th century 21st century way as well so i mean you mentioned two things that, that we're, let's lay the groundwork here shakespeare you mentioned shakespeare what uh, give what's what's your what's i don't know tell me what you think Shakespeare. <laughs> What's my opinion on on the bard himself? Or, or the, no, not the guy. Like what you know? What's your? 
you know, what do you what do you think? What do you what do you like? What do you know? You know, give me your Shakespeare uh, background. Sure, sure, sure. I <laughs> um, so I was introduced to this movie and Romeo and Juliet as a you know as a play in like freshman year of high school, and we watched two versions of it. We watched the nineteen sixties version, the Frank Zeffirelli version, um, and then we watched this one. Of course, after we read the play and. I remember when I read the play, somehow it had not been spoiled for me. And so <laughs> when like they both die at the end, which everybody should know <laughs> going in, I'm sure what? everyone knows this. Hold on. We didn't <laughs> say spoiler. No. <laughs> but I, re- I truly did not know. I was like, wait, that's what happens? Like maybe I knew that. I think I knew it was tragedy. Maybe I even knew that they died. But I did not realize that it was that they died the way that they did. And it was just really shocking and upsetting to me, even when I was like, you know, 14 years old <laughs> in English okay. class. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Shakespearean stuff generally, I really like it. I really have a, um, you know, they. I've seen a lot of them, some Shakespeare in the Park here in New York. I've seen a lot of uh, bad high school productions of various plays and I find them kind of endearing mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's my sort of Shakespearean uh, background. But I, I also um, have a real soft spot for these works that have been like iterated on and iterated on over and over again. Like Dr. Faustus is one of my favorite works ever, um, which is not Shakespeare. It's Christopher Marlowe, but a, a contemporary uh, playwright at the time and mm. it's the original deal with the devil story which uh, people oftentimes haven't read that particular play but that story is just um you know it's just it's such a part of our oh, ongoing yes, yes. you know ongoing zeitgeist for the past hundreds of years you know so i i feel the same way about shakespearean uh works you know hamlet macbeth romeo and juliet like to know them is to like get so much more uh meat from other stories that have pieces of those like woven in so anyway that's the long version (laughs) yeah well that you that reminds me of like so i've covered a lot of shakespeare stuff um when i was doing when i was on backtracking my star trek show because that's one of the top like if you were to make a like a book on like the things that inspired star trek that would be like in one of the top five to ten things you know like Mm -hmm. it's obviously like they do stories based on it but then they also reference it a lot you know what i mean yeah and so there's there's many stories we did that you know drew comparison to a lot of shakespeare works and that's a thing i noticed in all of these um episodes i was watching and the some of the plays we went back and read and, and stories and stuff that it is like a lot of them are just like, oh, these are just like some of these are just like these foundational, like classic tales. And like they're so you feel it in the DNA of so many things. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 like, yeah, it's almost it's in, inescapable, you know, like which I yeah, I get it. I I like it's one thing where I was more like when I did all the, all those adaptations or whatever in Star Trek we were covering, 
like there were a lot of stories that I'm like I'm like oh I'm more like vaguely familiar with you know what I mean like sure my the extent of my knowledge was really like you know they teach it in school and stuff and we even had like a special I remember there was like a time a couple years where like um I don't know some like weird lady came to our school and taught us like a <laughs> special like thing on Shakespeare she was one of our teachers she just came from somewhere and was like was she like a like a reenactor person no i don't think so i think she just like was a she i think she worked with like a shakespeare group you know somewhere maybe in like chicago or somewhere and she was coming and you taught like the special little curriculum to us kids i had something like that too actually um and it was it was not far off from the benjamin franklin office episode if anyone watched the office <laughs> and remembers that it was a lot like that although we were not expecting him to be a stripper but um it was just like a reenactor person who came and i think they were like abraham lincoln actually i don't think they were shakespearean but um i think that uh i feel like we also had somebody else who was like a shakespearean actor who like came in to to talk to us it might have been what we did but like i remember there was a thing too where i went to like a different school and it was like the same it was two years later i think i was like a little older i remember and i went to this thing that was like this different at a, at like a neighboring town school i don't remember <laughs> why and she was like to teach you this thing and i was like what's what, who is this i never saw her again you know but we did end up at my school putting on like we did uh romeo and juliet uh type thing so yeah, it was it was fun. It was cool. But then, you know, after um you know what I mean, like af after uh I stopped going to school, it wasn't like, you know, I, you're you're rarely forced <laughs> to um encounter these things uh yeah. unless you're really into it. So like it was nice actually doing that Trek podcast to go back and be like, yeah, like there's, you know, so many awesome things I got to experience because of that. So Yeah. yeah I, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're both Shakespeare fans here, okay? So don't get any ideas. We're Shakespeare fans here. Be cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's part of, I think, what's so great about this movie. One of the many things that I really like about this is that it, like, it isn't, it is the script of Romeo and Juliet. Like, it's, you're experiencing Shakespearean acting in Shakespearean language, um, even though the setting is, of course, different, and some of the context is a little bit different, but it's—I I just like that it's not an adaptation. It's—it's um, it's just fully a re, you know, it's—it's a—I don't know if it's a what a reimag. I guess it's like a reimagining of the, of the setting, but not of the script itself. And so, as you yes, were saying, yeah. like people who would not normally be experiencing Shakespearean language and you know the words as they were written. Um, get to experience that with this movie and i just think that's really cool yeah i saw i i read like somewhere that this was like popular with like teachers and stuff because it's like you can yeah. show kids kids this and be like look look uh it's fun shakespeare's fun you know shakespeare can be cool kids um okay so you mentioned this is boz lerman's best film um okay so boz lerman what's your <laughs> give me give me the dish Tell me your feelings. <laughs> Moving on from William Shakespeare to Baz Luhrmann, another yes. one of the greats. No, um, I actually, I 
like Baz Luhrmann's movies. I think that, um, but I don't, I don't love all of them. Um, I thought that, like, I didn't really like Australia. That was one that I've, he... I've never seen that. I've never seen that. So I don't know. I didn't, I felt like that was sort of his take on like a straight film as opposed to his first, his first big hit, or I don't know, maybe it was his first film generally, was Strictly Ballroom. Yes, that's his first feature-length film. Yeah, late 80s or early 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was Romeo and Juliet. And then it was uh, Moulin Rouge, which I loved at the time. It came out at the perfect time for me. I was like in high school or middle school, and I just thought it was like so creative and so romantic and so tragic. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, similar to... Similar to this one um, in many ways, but a lot more creative license because uh, he wasn't just sticking to a, a literal script. Um, but the movies since then, I haven't, they haven't really, you know, been big for me. But I, I kind of want to, after watching this one, I was like, I should just watch Elvis. Like, I should. Why, mm-hmm. you know, why not? You know? Yeah, I, I enjoyed Elvis. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like my favorite movie last year, but it was definitely, I mean, it had this. It was obviously like his movie, which I thought was cool. One thing that's interesting about his style um, between that movie and this one is like he has a similar style, but I feel like in both movies they they convey different things, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, like we'll talk about it in Romeo and Juliet, but like with Elvis, uh, I was reading about how um, in the movie he makes all these connections to Elvis and uh, uh captain marvel like the original captain marvel or shazam or whatever because elvis was like a font like fond of this comic character and so he tries he at times and like people were posting parts of the script where it's even more clear but he's like visually mostly trying to oftentimes like connect like elvis as sort of like the superhero type figure uh Mm -hmm. that he looked up to and that really fits in with like his style in general. You know, it's like this big grand <laughs> style totally, or whatever. Yeah. Larger than life. Everything is like super, super colorful. I mean, not, I guess not always. Australia was definitely very muted. Didn't he also do um The Great Gatsby? Yes. Yeah. Which I, I think uh, it follows a similar yeah style too. Which works for that time period, I feel like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It really feels like that one was a, a perfect fit. Like, if someone was to, ca- you know, cast him as the director, that's like, he's a perfect fit for this. Uh, for yeah. For Great Gatsby. Um, another one with, with Leo as well, too. Oh, yeah. So, they, I mean, they seem to like working with each other. I, mm-hmm. I saw for, like, this movie for, like, um, for, like, when they were doing still casting and stuff like that and doing like early reads of the script or something. I don't have the full details in front of me, but like <laughs> it, I was reading that like Leo, you know, paid for his own expenses in travel, like before production of the movie. Cause he like wanted to do this, you know, so I could see like, mm-hmm. th- that's probably one of his first big film roles too. Right. Like as in terms of like a leading, you know, person, obviously he was in stuff before that. Uh, Gilbert Grape, etc. Et but uh, <laughs> this and then like Titanic, you know, this is that period. So I, I sort of read that as like at the time him sort of, you know, trying to get something, this role that he thought was exciting. But I can see now where, you know, he. Pr- I don't know. I don't know what their friendship would have been, but I can imagine like 
like, hey, going back to this guy, you know? Yeah. I would, yeah. for sure. For another, like, doomed, <laughs> doomed love story. Um, sure, yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely liked this one. I don't know if it's because I like the story better or if it's that I like the setting better. Uh, because um, for uh, Great Gatsby, that was like a, I mean, it had the Boslerman flair to it, but it was not really a reimagining. It was just the story of the Great Gatsby in the 1920s, you know. Um, whereas this For one sure, is just like yeah. so creative. It takes place in uh, Southern California, in LA, I guess. I think LA. Um, yeah, I got the idea. They call it Verona Beach, so I got right. the Venice Beach. Yeah, totally. Vibe. Yeah, and it's you know they they it's set clearly like in the 90s, like in the present day, in like the 90s. So so 90s. This whole movie is, but it's it's funny because it's 90s, but it still feels very contemporary it doesn't feel dated um and part of that is i think because the uh the script is so anachronistic you know compared to yes. the setting but also because it's so stylized and bright and crazy that it doesn't feel like oh this is a movie straight out of the 90s you know like even at the time i think it was it was stylized so heavily that it felt novel you know what i mean yeah like um you said it better than I could, but I was, I was, yeah, I'm so, I was sort of thinking like, because it doesn't feel like just like you're watching something that actually happened in the nineties. It feels, yeah. so that's, that's why I think that style works in this movie. Um, so as you know, I was reading his first three films are strictly ballroom, this and Moulin Rouge, and they, they released them as part of some trilogy. So we were, we were talking about maybe, mm in the future doing some more but uh you know they kind of release them in his box set and they're and the you know connective mode motif or whatever is that they're all like based on like the theater which is where he kind of got a start before mm-hmm. not even got a start that's just another thing he does and he had success with before strictly ballroom uh so that obviously like informs a lot of his style uh but uh this is I found this quote on Wikipedia, but I think it really explains, I think, how his style uh, reflects in this movie and, like, to connect with the thing you're saying. And also, like, just what's interesting about using the original language of mm-hmm. of Shakespeare in it. Because you, you've seen different, you know, modern Shakespeare interpretations, obviously. Um, some where they just, they modernize it or what, you know what I mean? Like, uh yeah. What's the one? It, if if you watch it, it uh, ten things I hate about you. Oh right, Taming of the Shrew, right? Yes. So that one is yeah. you know it's it's written modern language or whatever. So you go back to that. It doesn't. I, I mean I love that movie or whatever, but yeah. Uh, or it's a it's a pretty good movie, but it doesn't feel. I mean it feels like of the nineties. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, it's just yeah. different. But anyway, 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 with this, he said what he wanted to do was look at the way in which Shakespeare might make a movie out of one of his plays if he was a director. How would he make it? We don't know a lot about Shakespeare, but we do know how he would make a movie movie. He was a player. We know that about the Elizabethan stage and that he was playing for 3,000 drunken punters from the street (laughs) sweepers to the Queen Queen of England, and his competition was bear baiting and prostitution. So he was a relentless entertainer, 
and a user of incredible devices and theatrical tricks to ultimately create something of meaning and convey a story. That's what we wanted to do. So I, that's like, I thought like his style is almost, he's, tr- I like, at least I think he envisions his style in a way that he imagines Shakespeare as well would make a movie, which is like this big, large, that's cool. you know, so like you watch this and like, it doesn't feel, it feels surreal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like a heightened reality. It doesn't feel like the actually the 90s. Yeah. Um, it feels like another world. You know what I mean? But I think that's that's like the that's not a mistake, obviously. Yeah, um, that's so funny. I, I, I hadn't thought about it. You have to go so many layers deep to like really imagine like what it, what the time period was like, what the contemporaries were like, um, what else he was up, you know, what the other entertainment options were who was able to afford to see it, <laughs> the peanut gallery, whatever. That's just, it's cool. I really, I, I I think that's like the perfect approach. Maybe that's part of why it's so, it feels so accessible. Uh, it seems like this movie is so iconic and so, um, so unique that I can see its influence in other movies. But when I was trying to think of what those movies or, you know, pieces of art were, I couldn't think of any. So do you like? Oh, did you, interesting. Interesting. Do you have any reference points where you're like, oh yeah, this movie was definitely uh, inspired by, um, oh my Juliet gosh, or or other things like? Because I couldn't, I couldn't just think of of any off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's hard to think. You got me on the spot. You got me on the spot. Definitely. <laughs> um, I would wonder, like, what are what are the other Shakespeare like adaptations post this? You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. I won. I wonder if that had any effect. I I really don't know though. You know, I know it's weird because I was watching it and I was like, is it just that this is so like? Is it just because I love it so much that this feels like totally iconic and that people must have like, I don't know, borrowed from it? But. I don't know. I mean, it's it's such a distinctive style that maybe it's not. I, I kept thinking when I was watching it, actually, I was like, another director that has like such a distinctive style that is, you know, much more well known is um Tarantino. And it rem- it's, it reminds me with yeah. a similar like it's they're both just so uh, stylized and like amped up. To, they just crank it up to like, you know, 11 um, in all of their movies. So I can see that. Yeah, like, I don't know. um like Robert Rodriguez kind of could see that too. Mhm. Yeah, even, yeah. Even more so cuz it's like um it's like I don't want I don't want to say cartoony. Um that's not the right word, but it's it's more um yeah, there's something more like camp about it, I guess I would say. I can I can't yeah. think of a better word for it, but It's definitely camp. I mean, and also the whole movie is very like um I mean, it's not, it's not like gay or whatever, but it's like there's something, it, it's campy. It feels like the whole thing is kind of like very earnest, like drag. I don't know. There's so, like something so um, self-aware and like fun about it while also being like so just unapologetically tragic, you know? Uh, like, yeah, it's it's unapologetic. I think that's the best term. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, it feels like, with a lot of adaptations I've seen, sometimes it's like we modernized it, but we kept the, you know, we kept the um, language or we changed it or, or whatever. But but like sometimes there does feel like like this feels like the most like unafraid of 
mm-hmm. of going somewhere <laughs> i guess you know what i mean like yeah um just it, i don't know i actually really think it does show off kind of the uh i feel like a lot of things do it because it's like i think there's an attempt we got to modernize it because like like we want people to appreciate it but they think it's boring or something like that yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I don't i just i don't feel like that is here you know what i mean i do like when i read that line about him wanting to make a shakespeare like uh, a movie like shakespeare might try to make i was like yeah it feels like it's earnestly trying to do that absolutely while also being I, there are some parts of it that are just uh so perfectly 90s like for example the um the party scene like the you know where they meet each other mm-hmm. first of all they uh imply if not directly show that um he's taking drugs like he's taking party drugs when they yeah oh the yeah party. yeah and drops some acid um, or something yeah <laughs> yeah molly or acid or whatever he's doing <laughs> um and that and then just like this like it, it's it's so direct it's just pulling from like the 90s club scene that was like so big at the time and then there's this hugely romantic unspoken like scene where they like meet each other through the fish tank it's so iconic um yeah and there's this the there's the song playing that it's just like it it just sounds like it's off of like a Sade album or like from I don't know it's like not quite Portishead, but I just, it's the most like 90s love song. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so good. You couldn't, you couldn't make this now. You couldn't make oh. it up if you tried, you know? Are you talking about Kissing You, love theme Obviously. from Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> <laughs> kissing You, parentheses, love theme from yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's, it definitely is like with the different adaptations I've seen, sometimes the language is always great, I think, but sometimes like, how it's just presented to me like sometimes it all sinks in like i feel everything i understand Mm -hmm. everything um and then other times it's like it's like i i have the subtitles on you know (laughs) because i'm like i gotta keep up with this sometimes i'm kind of a a dummy right but with this it's like uh, i think about the visuals and the vibe often like really conveys to me what's going on more than anything (laughs) in the movie um, that's right yeah i think that's totally right not just not just the cinema uh, okay so the the cinematography i thought is really good um but the i i actually saw that it was nominated the only oscar was nominated for um not, not that this matters but it was nominated for like um uh set uh design production stuff like that and i think you know like that yeah it's so memorable so iconic i um I mean, it makes for the, you know, the freaking music video we we're talking about. It's a lot of just footage from the movie. And it's like, yeah, like, like a lot. Of, it's just so beautiful. And like, uh, I don't know it. I'm, I'm praising a movie because you can make a cool like montage of shots. But that I think it's true. I think that is true. That's part of what <laughs> makes it so like there's a, there are a couple like real set pieces like in the movie that they come back to. One is this abandoned um, band shell that's on the beach. Mm-hmm. And that adds this like perfect um, to me at least because it it has kind of um, like Grecian pillars and it looks it it evokes kind of old world Europe when you look at it but it's like in total disarray and it's you know like you also see like 
you know, sex workers and people sleeping on mattresses on the beach and like all this like kind of like, like very uh, late 20th century destruction and like, you know, darkness around it. Um, and they continually come back to that set piece. Another thing is that in uh, Juliet's house, they're constantly in Juliet's house, which is like the perfect mix of being, it's like this Beverly Hills mansion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it it also has these influences of like old world Europe. I don't know. It, I, I think that th- they do a good job of like, just like hinting enough at the Shakespearean kind of elements that we expect with the, of course, like while it's still just like, the most uh anachronistic like 90s thing <laughs> yeah it, it it's so it is so anachronistic but it's it's so unique too and you're talking like all the locales i think are re- like really cool and i was i read that this was mostly shot in mexico city so like while no it's, kind of, it's set in california i think it has like a very distinct look and like yeah um here oh yeah so the capulet mansion was set in a it was like a real castle and then like for the ballroom they they actually constructed that mm. um but yeah like i don't know just between that and the like the things they built and then like the actual structures they use like it really yeah it's it's really good if anyone hasn't seen this you should you absolutely should <laughs> if anyone's listening and they ha- have somehow missed this film it's you got to see it to believe it and you definitely should just wanted to oh yeah to... yeah throw that out there another thing also is that i um you were talking about like um not having to like follow the direct dialogue to still understand what's going on it's a real testament to i I guess the directing and and the acting but also the way that they stylize um all of the players quote unquote you know like in the shakespearean drama so like there there are the the chorus who are just like in elizabethan drama or, you know, Elizabethan stage plays generally are the people who are just, like, catching up the audience. They're like, here's what the setting is. Like, that was very common for um, plays at that time. But mm-hmm. what they've done in this one is they've turned them into, like, news anchors um, that come, like, that come sort of just, like, throughout the movie. There's, like, the, like, the movie starts with this, like, uh, a black screen with a tiny little television. And it's... uh someone kind of giving the opening lines of the play and that person would normally just be like hello like welcome to the globe theater and blah 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 but they they do a good job of orienting us like in this like you know news as if we're watching um, a tragedy about to like unfold yeah it was fucking awesome they do the like opening monologue from the play i believe and but it's like in news anchor voice. It's so, oh, it's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And they, and they um, repeatedly like, and it would, it moves like so quickly. The whole movie's like, so it's either like at just a breakneck pace or it's huge swaths of like silence, you know, like when, when they meet each other, that's like, you know, a five minute um, scene where it's like they meet each other or they see each other and then she gets like swept away to go dance with someone else and is just like looking at Romeo the whole time and there's it's just like so slow and so silent but then the rest of it is just like such a a quick pace that you kind (laughs) of don't you don't need to be paying attention to the exact dialogue because like for example the what the opening fight scene that takes place at a gas station there's like all of these references that you don't necessarily you wouldn't understand b- 
because we are not living in like the 1500s, but it doesn't matter because you're seeing just like the fight is happening. You, you don't need to understand every single word that's said. Yeah. You get the idea. They're biting thumbs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're biting their thumbs. And this is also where we see Johnny legs for the first time. Man, he is so fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah. He's so good. I mean, us, I, do we, (laughs) is it worth it to say what happens in Romeo and Juliet? I feel like that's what we've been doing, but it seems strange. Do you, do do you want to tell everyone? Sure. Sure. Um, okay. Two warring families. They're like, you know, gangster families. The Two households, cap- both alike. Two, <laughs> both alike in dignity in Fair Verona, where we lay our oh, scene. No. Um, don't get me started. The Capulets and the Montagues, they're warring families, uh, both very um, influential. They're yes. two, two children meet not children, but you know, teenagers meet each other and they don't realize One that of them they was are a from, child. They're supposed to be really young. And they meet each other, they don't realize that they're from warring families. They quickly realize that and they have to keep their love a secret. And um the whole thing takes place over like a couple of days and they have this whirlwind romance that kind of um contributes to the ongoing violence between their families and then um basically they uh make up a plan to run away together and it it goes south very very quickly um where she tries to send a letter to Romeo and Romeo doesn't get the letter and she has taken some magic potion that makes her look like she's dead and so there's like a full funeral for her and then he just thinks she's actually dead so then he kills himself in front of her and then she wakes up and she's like, oh my God, he's dead. And then she kills herself and that's the end of the play. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It's pretty. It's it's awful. It is honestly horrible. <laughs> it is not, it's bad. And in this version, she, that scene is incredible too. It's like the, you know, the last scene of the movie and she's like surrounded by, you know, 8,000 billion candles and um is in like a well, what what do you call it like a morgue no not a morgue <laughs> uh what would you call it uh it's, it's it's i don't know it's not a funeral home either no it's a it's a oh there's a word for it it doesn't matter he comes in there and she's like waking up after he has like already taken the potion to like kill himself and so she like watches him die like right in front of her and it's and they both like have this moment where they're like oh my god no like we you were alive the whole time and it's really hard to watch but it's beautiful too (laughs) yes it's very beautiful the last that last shot of them and it's shot like they're like hanging down from above it's very it's a very beautiful shot very memorable um yeah okay that was good that was a good rundown (laughs) (laughs) was that a pretty good synopsis of yeah of the of the uh relatively unknown play <laughs> yeah you may you may have heard of the story um if you've played runescape you know the story um <laughs> so you because you brought up john leguizamo i didn't fully want to move on from him but we you know we i was thinking we might talk about their individual characters and stuff mm-hmm. but yes he 
he was awesome in this. So like, uh, there's a couple characters like he, he's, he has like kind of, he plays, um, Tybalt. He has mm-hmm. like this fierce, like scorn for that family, like compared to, I think anyone else, you know, in the movie. Yeah. Um, there's times where he's talking to, um, like Juliet's dad, uh, mm-hmm. RIP Paul Servino. Uh, and he's like, you know, like at the party, for example, you know, there's this time times where he's like, we just need, let's just chill out <laughs> right now. He, he yeah. end up, but by the end he has a full down breakdown, but like he's, he wants to keep the peace and Tibble is like, you, you get from that opening, that opening scene is so awesome that he like, you know, any minor infraction on him, he will, he's going to go ape shit <laughs> on yeah the uh the montagues you know yeah yeah he's he's on he's juliet's cousin yes juliet's cousin and so he yeah he's 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 like the most invested in it like you had in that beginning scene you had um there was like the the jamie kennedy was one of the characters but you had those Mm -hmm. other cousins of romeo or whatever and they're like they're kind of like goofs you know what i mean yeah they're they're pretty stupid yeah this is at least how i read it is that they're like they're like you know hey there's those guys but like yeah whatever like we're oh we're gonna just like tease them you know what i mean where yeah. like leguizamo is like i will fucking kill you <laughs> he, yes like, and wants... and he does <laughs> that's yeah true um well i feel like his foil in the story other than like romeo um it's it's not even a Montague or a Capulet, right? But it's uh, mm-hmm. Romeo's best pal, Mercutio. Yes, who... who's my favorite character in the whole movie. Okay, he's your, he's your favorite in this? Um, he's my favorite one. He's played by... I never know how to pronounce this guy. Uh, Harold Perrineau. Um I know him from... You know, he's in The Matrix. But uh, he's, he's in all... The Matrix! Uh, wow. t- two and three, at least, yeah. He's Link, of all people. Dang. I did not put that together. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's awesome in this. Uh, I mean, he's your favorite. What, what about him? What makes him your favorite character? Well, I like Mercutio anyway as a character. I um, He's another you know, casualty of these uh, families. Um, and he kind of gets caught in the crossfire. He's one of, he's not related, but he's Romeo's best friend. Um, he has the best line in the film, which I think is a plague on both your houses, his dying line. Mm, Oh, Um, yeah. And in this movie, he's, uh, well, in, in the original too, he's kind of like, he's funny. He's a little bit of comic relief. He's, um, he's really, uh, kind of endearing and has like a, a wisdom about him that he's kind of like oh, you guys like come on like this i it's sort of like for him he's like this is not my monkey not my circus kind of about the family's like problems mm-hmm. um but he um yeah he ends up dying at like the end of the second act or whatever and i don't know i thought he i thought he was also uh the the enthusiasm with which he played Marcuccio is just, it's just, it's just a joy to watch. Um, that's and that's he's, why and I he's felt... just one of my favorite characters. That's, I, that was great. That was a great, uh, um, talking up of Marcuccio. I think he sold <laughs> me. No. Yeah. He does it, play it with the most 
him and, and John Leguizamo, I think, have the most mm-hmm. intensity in the yeah. movie, which, uh, like, oh, perfectly, you know, it just fits their characters. Like, just what they were going, like, you get every, like, I got everything just with, like, their presence, you know what I mean? Of Right. Um, they could have been speaking, like, a completely different language <laughs> than you would have understood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I liked his, um, I liked overall, like, the scenes of, um, Romeo and Benvolio and them hanging mm-hmm. out, yeah. you know, being boys. Uh, like, they, yeah, I just liked, I liked their, uh, the dynamic between, like, the three of them specifically. Uh, right. Benvolio other... is, a, is a cool one, but he is less, he's less funny and charismatic than Mercutio. And they they do that on purpose because Mercutio is about to die. Like, I think that that's part of the, at least that's my interpretation, is like, he's a really likable character. And so when he, you know, eventually kicks the bucket, like, it's mm-hmm. really like, oh, okay, now we have to sit through the rest of this and he's not even in here. And like, we're all mad about it. <laughs> um, it at least that's like, how I felt. Mercutio is like, it's it's interesting because it's not anyone from, uh, like it didn't doesn't feel like anyone from the Montague specifically has as much, like scorn, as like Mercutio does for, mm-hmm. like I guess John Leguizamo and his bullshit. I guess you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Great. That's a great choice. For favorite character. I'll. You know what? I'll tell you my favorite character in the movie. Um. I think it's more, I think it's just it's purely I thought based on the performance was uh Father Lawrence. Oh uh, hell yeah. He was great he, too. He's possibly. a really good one. <laughs> he's he's like one of my one of my type of guys. I like I like those, you know, classic <laughs> character actors, but like yeah, he there's there's so many scenes that he is just holding down so hard. Like he has yeah. such it's a different kind of intensity, but like I think he's, I think he's my favorite actor in this whole movie. Um, yeah, he's he's so cool in this movie. He like adds, he's he's just perfect because where, for example, Mercutio and Tybalt both are like this really manic, um, this manic like young energy. Um, this like explosive, these explosive characters and it's explosive scenes. Uh, whereas he is the one who, um, like. He he marries them right, and then he doesn't he also like he's in on the plot for them to like yes. run away together, which is, I mean, obviously this is what what dooms them right, and it kills them, and so it's so I just love that he is like, he's got kind of bad vibes, but he's also so um, he doesn't mean to like he's um, he he's rooting for them and he's he's like pulling stops for them, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's pulling the strings. I feel like yeah. Yeah. Or he's trying to, I guess. They yeah. it's not his fault. It's not his fault they messed up. No, it's, it's no the, one's fault. It's, you know, that damn postal service or whatever. <laughs> uh <laughs> that, they really thing. screwed things up. Yeah. Yeah, it was no one's fault really. But yeah. No, he's he's a great choice. He's a really great he was so good. God, there's so many yeah, it's it's hard. I don't want to do the thing where we just talk about like every fucking person like forever but there's so many awesome so he's supposed to marry uh juliet to paul rudd's character who is also fucking awesome in this movie yes Um, i thought he was a perfect 
he was not who I would have expected to be cast because he's such a likable dude. He's just got, he's just, I just think, I mean, I find Paul Rudd as like a person to be like really just endearing and I like his face. I don't know. I just think he's nice. <laughs> and what? he plays this kind of contemptible character that's just sort of, he doesn't do that much, but he's just sort of, I don't know, I don't, stupid. See, like, he, this is, this is, Okay, he reminded me of his like Parks and Rec character where he's like he's like part of this like uh I can't even remember the fully, but he's he's like running against Leslie, I think, at some point, and he's like comes from this family. He's like propped up, but he's like an idiot and he's like charming and likable. Like he seems like a nice guy, yeah. but like he's a complete idiot and he you know, like you almost you almost like feel bad for him a little bit um totally that's i felt in this like i didn't think he was contemptible but it was like you see him and you're like ugh. but then it's like oh but he's like he's like i don't know he's just doing his thing he's just yeah you know what i mean he he doesn't know really what's going on you know he's just yeah living life and he's trying to get married and stuff you know i guess you're right he's not he's not contemptible i will say that i think in a lot of uh adaptations or or whatever uh he is played contempt as contemptible I, I could totally see that i could totally and and certainly there's thing there's things about i'm not gonna defend like this type of setup or anything you know what i mean <laughs> so of course the whole setup is weird obviously like that that would just be strange and you anyone Who's like, yeah, I'll like arrange marry your daughter or whatever. That's weird, you know. But sure. in the context of the story or whatever, I feel like he doesn't come off as that bad of a guy. <laughs> yeah, and I also will say that I think that ad- that to me added to the like uh, intensity and desperation of Romeo and Juliet's love because like it's not like she has a horrible, it's not like she has a horrible situation. Like she could arrange marriage Paul Rudd and like he seems like nice enough and there's like the stakes are not that high in terms of her other option (laughs) you know what I mean and so the fact that like she still is like I don't care like I don't want I don't want uh mediocrity I don't want to to be forced to make a choice that I don't want to make like I want to be with a person that I want to be with and I thought the fact that he was uh kind of likable added to her uh conviction you know i I thought that was a good choice yeah makes you wonder uh you know i feel like the the whole incident with mercutio and and uh and tybalt (laughs) and romeo like that probably made it a lot worse you know maybe maybe it would have been all right because you know what i mean like yeah so okay quick shout out we all the um, they got you know great actors playing both the parents in this um Mm -hmm. you know but bunch of legends all around uh but anyway like you did have this idea like that they (laughs) like i said they were sort of like wanted to keep the peace and it's like all their kids are fucking it up you know what i mean um and it's that i don't know if that's a accurate reading but that's how i interpreted it and it really Mm -hmm. like that's what makes i think that scene even more intense is that like you know it it probably would have gone down bad bad some way you know what i mean but i think that the death of those characters that conflict like that's what puts it over the edge you know what i mean yeah i mean obviously that's that's intended but 
No, I think that's right. And it's weird because they're, it's not only like Romeo and Juliet are in the middle of a family of like their, their parents' drama. It's that they're like all of their contemporaries, their friends and their cousins and their brothers, like everybody is mixed up in this. Um, so it's not just like, oh, like, you know, we got to wait for our parents to die and it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, like like every which way they are like they're fucked, you know, like mm-hmm. all of their friends and and contemporaries would be like not OK with with them being together, I think. Yeah. But but you also are like, well, obviously the more not moral of the story, but uh, y- you are left or at least I was left with this idea that like obviously nobody wanted them dead, right? And this was like the crescendo of this like family drama that like ended with two people who were innocent dead. Um so I, I think and then yeah, the it's implied I think at the end that's like, okay, maybe there's like a peace between them after this happens. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, and it's like that's that's what I mean too, like um maybe it would have gone down similarly regardless because like if it feels like in in the scene where uh mr capulet (laughs) kind of loses it you know Mm -hmm. it feels like it's been kind of this bottle bottled up thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he he thought he could just you know keep like ignore that aspect of it and you know well she's set up to bury him that's how things are gonna go and then it's clearly like no, this has gotten out of, out of hand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They got too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and a shout out to also. I thought you were gonna say when you were like, my favorite character is. I thought it was gonna oh. be the nurse because the nurse is my second uh, favorite character. Miriam Margulis as the nurse. Yeah, I was gonna get to her. She she was awesome. Uh, she well yeah. So like she's kind of like Juliet's sort of. Uh, Father Lawrence, right? She's not orchestrating mm-hmm. as much, but she's kind of like, you know, her character to to sort yeah. of lean on, and she helps her out. And there's, like, all these fun scenes with her. The performance is amazing. Like, yeah, she was fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she rocks. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Captain Prince. <laughs> he He's kind of a minor, like, obviously important character, but kind of minor in this movie you know he just sort yeah, of shows he, up and is like he's the chief of police chill the fuck out but he was great obviously he's a awesome uh character actor from the time so he's one another one of those type of guys i love <laughs> <laughs> but i think um that's that, of all the that's like kind of the a lot of the great supporting characters but i guess we got to talk about leo and claire danes <laughs> Um, yeah, it's funny. I feel like they're kind of, in some ways, like overshadowed by all the other amazing <laughs> actors. Not overshadowed. I think they did phenomenally. Like they were the perfect, the perfect cast, in my opinion. Yes. Um, well, you did say like the movie because I just feel like I, all the other characters are so much like so larger than life. I feel like for the most mm-hmm. part, some of them are not. They're they're they're. Yeah, but anyway, they're a lot of them are larger than life, and then they're they're sort of meant to be like they're it's like a romance, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of the most um, I think the most fully normal thing because it's it is it's I think it's I don't know. I guess that just seems more normal. I guess like um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but that is totally true. Like, there's all this like manic energy everywhere, and like. But they, the scenes between them especially are really, like, 
I don't know, they're like normally paced and they're just like, and mm-hmm. the, they're just so like earnest, like even compared to like the, the, the Zeffirelli version of this film, which is from the 1960s, which I watched at the same time in English class, thought like it feels like hackneyed in like a way. Um, I, I feel like very rarely, like, do you see such like, I don't know, authentic romantic performances like i i just yeah yeah i felt like they were in love with each other i was like there is no way that real life claire danes and leo are not in love there's no way like there's it's so convincing (laughs) let's see i had um there's a what is it in a interview or something uh miriam margulis who plays the nurse uh where is it I'm reading from Wikipedia here. Uh, she said, like DiCaprio admired his work. Uh, whoa. But luckily I was immune from his groin charms. What? Unlike, this is, yeah. Unlike poor Claire Danes, then only 17, it was obvious to all of us that she really was in love with her Romeo, but Leonardo wasn't in love with her. She oh, wasn't shit. his type at all. She didn't know how to cope with her evident infatuation, he wasn't sensitive to her feelings and was dismissive <gasps> of her and could be quite nasty in his keenness to get away, while Claire was utterly sincere and so open. It was... Oh, my you know, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> that is some tea, girl. I did not know that. She wow. spilled the tea in some uh, some interview. Uh, but, Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's... Classic Leo. Um, and then, okay, well, so we, they, they did, they had great chemistry in this for, for sure. Um, but I, I was reading, they also have here other people who auditioned for Juliet that they didn't go mm. with. And actually it says Natalie Portman was cast. She was actually Ugh. cast, but <laughs> what, what was that? Sorry. I said, Ugh. oh, Cause, what, what, cause no, I don't well, really like her that way. Whoa, I don't think she would have been as good. Now. Hold on now. <laughs> I think she would have been. Well, okay. So here's the thing. They thought she looked too young for the part. Um, <laughs> from the footage, it looked as though DiCaprio was molesting her. Uh, Jesus. Um, but, okay. They have a good point because she was 14 at the time and Leo was 21. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see them no. being like, yeah, no, okay. Maybe let's. I mean, yeah. So Claire Danes, and then another was um, Sarah Michelle Geller turned down huh. the role. She turned down the role, but really, she turned it down, huh? Okay. He, he, here's sort of um, okay. Let, I want to know if your eyes roll at this. DiCaprio <laughs> proclaimed that Dane should be cast as. He felt she was genuine in her line delivery and did not try to impress him by acting flirtatious. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Come on. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I could see to... that he had a, a kind of magnetism over people. He had a, a, a hold on every teenage girl in the 90s. That's so, true. That's true. You know, I could see that, like, if somebody just sort of was like, I'm just trying to to act here that maybe he would think that was uh, preferable. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's multiple sources here, too, saying that, uh, you know, she was into him, but... Or just one, actually. One source. But he said it was... 
he i don't know that's one of those things where you wonder because this is like promoting she said this in an interview promoting her like she had a book or something and, sure and then you want like you wonder what like all every movie we talk about like they they kind of mythologize about it a little bit and so i you yeah. know i wonder which of these statements is like true you know what's what's leo really like you know I don't know. I feel like he's probably kind of an asshole. <laughs> he probably is always he seems like an asshole. <laughs> people make jokes all the time. He dates like 20 year olds or something. I don't know. Yep. So may- <laughs> okay. Both both performances, though. Great. I, you know, Claire Danes, I, I feel like I don't really actually I've seen a lot of things she's in, but like is not someone I normally think about as someone like I really like but i think yeah i think she's amazing in this movie and mm-hmm. uh you know what do what, what i gonna say about leo he's great <laughs> yeah i, I mean I i'll tell i'll tell you what though like it took me a while to even every time i watch this i forget when leo starts talking because when romeo starts talking which is at this point like 15 minutes into the movie we've had like this like amazing explosive scene we've seen a bunch of other characters not Juliet yet but we see Romeo and then he starts delivering lines and I'm like oh god like he's not as good as the other ones (laughs) like I every time I watch Mm. I'm like oh right 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 I have to adjust to Leo's line delivery like I I just think that he's not as just not as good as the as the other people. And I think that I did not have that feeling with Claire Danes. I think that she was more authentic in her line delivery. I don't know. I thought I thought that she did a better job than than Leo did. But I don't know that I mean that's purely just my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't tell if it was like am I like is it I just like the other characters because they're more intense or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I often found well on it. I mean, I think he's great in this, but I, I, I find I don't think it's a bad thing. But most of the things I like about him are his interpersonal relationships, you know, with like Mercutio and Juliet. I think, you know, they both like he's good in an ensemble. You know what I mean? I, I don't think this is like, yeah, I don't think this is like this is the standout sort of yeah definitely well and also like romeo as a character is kind of a little moody little bitch you know like you're like (laughs) oh god here we go again he's writing poetry yeah (laughs) he's smoking his american spirits on the beach writing poetry like come on (laughs) but this is perfect for the time like leo's such a heartthrob yeah and like you know he's like oh he's the sensitive guy he's wearing all these big flowy open shirts and you see his chest <laughs> and he's writing the poetry and he's you know wearing the little chain mail and he's <laughs> yeah uh, Juliet is like such a she's so understated compared to him you know um she feels so she's not like the she's not the heartthrob you know like I I mean at least for me when I was watching this I didn't get the feeling like they were like oh let's like really she wasn't like sexy you know, like she wasn't sexy in this movie. She was just, uh, I don't know, yeah. like a, a, an authentic ingenue, you know. Um, and I like I liked that. You know, she wasn't like they weren't like trying to like there was there's the scene where they like are like in the pool. They're making out in the pool, <laughs> which sounds way sexier than it actually is. Like it's like visceral. It beautiful, though. That's and got one beautiful, of those 
music video type shots where they're underwater kissing and totally the, yeah. 90s music video style yeah. but like they're not like she's not in like a bikini whatever like she's they like give her a lot of uh i don't know she just isn't sexy they just kind of keep her just as a character and i i thought that was cool because they didn't you know they didn't really need to do that but i i also think that's just because like they're really young like these are like they're supposed to be like high schoolers so it would you know it just felt like yeah they, they were they were keeping some of that innocence on purpose you know yeah yeah it was a little it was definitely a little sexy it was tastefully sexy for sure it was to- to- totally tastefully sexy but it was yeah not it was not like they, they could have really gone gone crazy with it but they didn't yeah but i think i yeah i think it fits the movie very well yeah yeah, and when she has this, like, she has the scene with her dad where dad's like, you're going to marry Paul Rudd, so help me God, you stupid asshole. And she... Those were the words, yeah. She... <laughs> the original <laughs> Direct <Shakespeare>. quote. <laughs> she wigs out and it has, like, one of the most authentic, tearful, flip-out scenes that I feel like I've ever seen. It's just, mm-hmm. she is truly losing it like for like you know whatever three minutes when she's like having a tantrum basically but she's she just that's another um example of like she's so young and she's being played young but like i guess she's not really being played young but she is um she's she doesn't have to like play any games. She's just authentically, you know, pissed mm-hmm. off and doesn't understand why she has no control of her own life. And she's just, I thought that her, that her range was like so much better in my opinion than like Leo's. I felt like Leo wasn't as, as believable, you know, when he would have his flip out mm. scenes, you know? Okay. Okay. So did that, did that lessen the impact of the movie at all? I mean, no, I loved or... it. I loved okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I loved it. I'm just saying that I liked her better than him. <laughs> That's fair. That no, I I would agree with that. I for me like I would say like that's why I talked about all the all the other characters first. I thought they were mo- more fun, but like <clears throat> it's still like it's not like uh if we're putting uh Romeo in D tier, it doesn't mean the D tier <laughs> is bad. <laughs> We're putting Romeo in D tier. No, he's great. He the other thing is he's just like uh, he's on his own shit. Like he's on a he's it. They have wonderful chemistry. It's like so, ugh, just gives me chills. It's like so romantic, but they're like he's just he's like a pop superstar, you know, in this way that like Claire Danes isn't. Like even in real life, you know. Yeah. So she like he has like a kind of like peacocking about him <laughs> and oh, in, the, sure, and in yeah. the movie too which is like part it's part of it that's part of the whole movie but like it's he's not as understated as you know as she is and i think that i just i preferred that oh for sure are there is there any other scenes or parts that you want to talk about i feel like we hit most of them i don't know i mean there's about- so many <laughs> they're just so so many i i mean i also am like a real sucker for like the the whole like california 
Southern California, Mexico aesthetic. I just think the vibe looks great. Yeah. And it's also like supposed to be the, it's supposed to be uh, Catholic, which is um, in the original. It's like, it's, it's not, it's, I think it, I mean, this must've been after. Oh God, I'm going to sound really dumb. This is like during, this is after the reformation and there Catholicism is not in England anymore. Right. Well, doesn't this takes? I thought this took place in Italy. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you are right. This takes place in Italy, so it is Catholic. Okay, so okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Okay, I get it now. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So it's actually this perfect. Takes, this takes place in Italy. It is supposed to be Italian, or I mean Catholic, and it they have a lot of like Catholic um, imagery in this uh, in Baz Luhrmann's movie too, and I think that th- that's also perfect for the southern california mexico vibe and i just oh i just love it i just love it so much so like father lawrence he was friar lawrence they updated that but it's the same shit same shit yes same shit (laughs) yeah i don't Uh, know i I loved it i can't think of another scene off the top of my head that i that in particular that i loved uh, but aesthetically that one thing that is in that stew that i i like is and it, it makes me think of how it both like isn't in our like reality like this wasn't in our n- 90s past um but it it just i don't know it, it's surreal i think is uh but at the same time it feel, feels very real is that they you know i i don't really know the um the uh class systems and stuff like that in uh italy at this at the time this play took place but like the modernization of these families is like well what you know what gives them such notoriety and it's like well they both seem to have like big businesses but they also are like it's like they have uh crime connections you know they're like crime Mm -hmm. bosses type thing and that's that that just makes like everything in the story works in like a modern quote-unquote setting is like you know why are these these guys are getting into these fights and killing each other and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I thought that was just like, like that was pretty cool. Like, obviously like, like, I don't know. It's both. It, it is realistic though, in a way, like I, I'm thinking yeah. like, it is just outrageous. These guys are like swinging their guns around and stuff like that. But, and like, you know, like someone kills a guy and they're like, they're banished or whatever. Like, obviously yeah. like the, the legal system's a little different, but at the same time, there is this idea of like, yeah, like these rich families can like fuck around and like, uh, they're, they're gangs essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like yeah. the uh, the police officer's job here in this case is like, he's just trying to get them to uh, calm down. But otherwise, it's like you know mm-hmm. they'll have their parties and go about their business or whatever. You know, I thought I just thought that was a cool detailed and it worked really well yeah it definitely was like a they do they do a good job of like of it making it feel somewhat realistic even though they you know and they and they world build a little bit by being like um you know clearly this is like a more destitute version of like you know los angeles or or whatever um and it has this like kind of desperation about the entire movie so it's like yeah, people are just dying. 
that just like happens here, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so they made, they, it didn't feel weird. Like, Oh, why are they all like slinging guns at, at each other? It <laughs> felt like, Oh, this is just, this is what happens here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it was intense. It was crazy, but uh, yeah, it, it worked really well in the story. One thing I also wanted to mention um, is the soundtrack. And I know that we've talked a little bit about it, but just giving it one more shout out. I've got the track list here. The mm-hmm. Some of the standouts on the <laughs> album, the artists are Garbage, Everclear, Butthole Surfers, The Cardigans, Radiohead. Uh, those are the little standout ones. But there's, there's more. Well, there's also some, like... There are some that aren't on the like actual like released soundtrack, but are used in the movie. So like, I feel like is it incomplete? Well, I think they later did. Uh, I'm looking. They did a like second volume. It looks like, mm, but okay, yeah. Like Prince? there was, yes, like that's not on the CD, but that's like they did their own unique. That's that's what I think was cool. Was like the way the soundtrack was used was like sometimes it was contemporary music that they used. Sometimes it was like in the prince, prince's case, it was like they had a um, like a choir singing when doves cry. But then there's other times where they did like they did little bits of like new unique music that are that's like more using some of the language and stuff from Shakespeare, but mm-hmm. like sounds like you know a a nine inch nail song or something you know and so i thought the way they blended that all together i think added to that idea of like this takes place in the 90s but it takes place you know hundreds of years ago but it takes place in a different universe uh i i thought that in general was really awesome yeah they do such a good job with it and like like what i I mentioned the kiss the kissing you song that's sung by it's like diva at the party. Oh God! It's just like the way that they are using again. It's like contemporary music, but I mean, this one was clearly written for the for the movie. Um, and then other things like again, when doves cry, which was not written for the movie, everyone just knows that song. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's like such a great time capsule, but also just a it's beautiful. Talk show host is just like encompasses like the entire vibe of the entire. Talk show host song by Radiohead. Yes. It's like well, it's a whole vibe is in that song. Well, also not on there is they, they, Radiohead did two songs, right? They they had like the credit song as well and one in the movie. I, did, I didn't know they did. I didn't know what the credit song is. I don't think There's, I clocked I think it. Talk show host is in the movie. And then yeah. the credit. I, I like to watch credits even if I don't actually, I don't look at a lot, but I like to, I like to see like, hey, what are, what are the songs they wanted to... I like to listen to the songs in the credits. <laughs> to out- outro us. <laughs> and yeah, so there was um, exit music quotation for a film mm. by Radiohead. <laughs> they wrote in cool. it, this is for a movie. That's in the credits. So I thought that was cool, like that they got two Radiohead songs. That's just pretty fucking cool. That rocks, um, yeah. One for the movie, I guess, I presume. That is cool. I didn't know that. Okay, I'll, uh, I'm going to clock that next time. Um, talk show host is was, I think, also used in the trailer for this. And also, it's the song that you see when you first meet Romeo in that um, abandoned Oh, and he's the perfect shell. guy. He's the perfect uh, guy to be listening so, to that. 
it's so good it's so good <laughs> and I, I mentioned like right when we hit record love fool just one of the that's mm. one of the best songs ever i think of the of the 90s of all time i love that's I, the cardigans are awesome in general but i like the when i think of this movie i think of that song yeah. <laughs> that's what comes to my head yeah man um, man the music just rocks check that out too <laughs> we gotta shout out uh the butthole surfers or butthole surfers not the butthole surfers oh uh, yeah come on gooey's not um, the butthole but <laughs> i don't know i remember they came up in our uh what was it me and andy talked about them in the council wars episode um mm. and andy got a kick out of their name <laughs> and so I had Andy sh- not heard of Butthole Surfers no, before? No, he, he hadn't because he's a loser. He's not cool like us. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have Butthole Surfers in Canada. <laughs> no, no. They're from Texas. So it's Hell too yeah. far away. It's too far yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Andy. You're cool. You're you're the coolest. Um, okay. Uh, so the movie... The movie... Um, it did well. It did well. We're not gonna. We don't need to get into details. It did well. It reviewed fairly fairly well. It's. I think it's looked at as like I'm sure a lot of people now would go back and watch this and be like, "What the fuck is this?" But I think it's you know considered like we mentioned how people use it still to this day. Like it's a good mm-hmm. way to like get people. I. It is a good way to like kind of introduce that to people and like not in a. I don't know. Like it. It. Not in an, an actually. What makes me think of it is, I'm looking at. I had some of the reviews that were like listed on Wikipedia. One was um, uh, Roger Eberts, and he he said something like uh, like that. He talked about different adaptations of Shakespeare, and he said, uh, "I've seen King Lear as a samurai drama, and Macbeth as a mafia story, uh, and two different Romeo and Juliets about." ethnic difficulties in manhattan and he's he's talking about like those type of like west side story and china girl um these movies that like we said they kind of all their dna is this type of thing and he but he said but i've never seen anything remotely approaching the mess that the new punk version of romeo and juliet makes of shakespeare's tragedy and uh you know i i get the movie's not for everyone but i think what is missing here is it's like it's not i feel I feel like it's not trying to transplant it to another time. It, you know what I mean? I feel like we've said it, it's, it's trying to be like of its, like if, if you like just say Shakespeare was still alive and you're like, all right, you have the budget, (laughs) make this movie. Like I, Mm -hmm. once I read that, I was like, I, that's how I felt. That's how I felt watching it. So, yeah, that's cool. I feel like the mess is the point. Like it, it, it's, but it's not. It's certainly not a mess. It's very calculated. So I don't agree with that. But I do. Yeah. But the the idea of it being a mess, being everything you just said, you know, it's of many times, many places. It's very, you know, multitudinous. And I think that that's a strength, not a weakness. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what else to what else to say. I think it's. Um... I think we. I think we got it. If you haven't seen it, you really. Just check it out and see. It's just unlike anything else. It's really like unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. It's. I don't. I don't know what to say. It's. It's awesome. It's an awesome movie. It's beautiful. It's exciting. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's uh, romantic as all hell. As all get out. And go check out Elvis. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually would. Yeah, I. I'm now kind of inspired to go see Elvis because I didn't. Well, not go see it, but 
rent it or whatever we do. Go to you go should, to my local blockbuster and rent you it. You should go to the theater and demand they play Elvis. <laughs> Last night I went and saw um, Skinnamarink, which uh, if you haven't seen that, I mean, watch it if you want. It's pretty spooky. It's very experimental. <laughs> very experimental is all I will we say. We like to, you know, you know <laughs> we support experimenting on this show. Definitely. And it's it'll it's going to be scarier if you watch it at home. I, I saw it in the theaters and it was less scary that way, I will say. I was hoping to see it before we recorded um, so then I could talk to you more about it. But I could just watch it and we can just talk about it in our yeah our little discord you know yeah it's fun it's it's a fun one it's a we weird saw, it's a really weird one <laughs> we saw megan that was good you know oh yeah i saw megan <laughs> yeah um that was a lot of fun um different kind of a different kind of a horror film um, <laughs> a little different yeah <laughs> i can imagine um the skin rink is also not rated like it was just not rated because it's it was made for like ten thousand dollars uh-huh. <laughs> and um I think that that like added to it being scary. After we watched it, we were like, "What would that movie be rated? PG thirteen? Like, I don't even know. Like, and that would really take away from some of the mystique if it was rated PG thirteen, like Megan. Oh, I think. Uh, I think if it's like weird enough, you should be able to rate it R. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely rated R. Rated R for in, weird. You're being too weird. We- <laughs> Be normal. <laughs> yeah, calm down. Rated R. <laughs> uh, well, All right, well um, we yeah, don't have anything we get picked. out of here. We have nothing picked for next month. We Well, maybe we do. Did you like my last suggestion? I loved your last suggestion. Yeah. Mm, okay. Because, okay. We're, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Is this <laughs> offensive? Is it, is it offensive to be like, look, we, we're not doing going to do holidays all the time, but we, I was kind of. It got me to thinking, and I was like, okay, maybe we could do this one, because it did whip ass. But we're like, should we, is just picking any Irish movie for St. Patrick's Day <laughs> offensive? Like, I don't know. Well, I I don't know. I feel like it's inspired by St. Patrick's Day. Not really like a, it's not a St. Patrick's Day movie. I don't know. Well, they don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. Do they make, like, I'm sure there's St. Patrick's Day, like, comedies, but like, I don't know. I don't even know what St. Patrick's Day is. You know, like yeah, the, me neither. This is. I feel like the Americanized version of it is just like it's Ireland Day. You know, it's just like go get drunk day is what it is. Well, nonetheless, we we're not gonna do this every year. <laughs> though there are plenty of Irish movies that whip. Maybe we'll do more, but we're not gonna do holiday. Just like we're not gonna do deaths all the time. We're not gonna do holidays all the time. But it's a little bit of fun. We're going to talk about the, I forgot what year it came out, but uh, the movie The Foreigner, just on theaters. Mm. I'm bragging about it. It came out, like, I think, in like 2020 or 2019, like not that long ago. It was pre-pandemic, that's for sure. Okay. Um, okay. And it star, it, it's set in Ireland, and it stars Pierce Brosnan and Jackie Chan, and it's pretty fucking awesome. There's a little bit going on with, like the IRA and stuff like that. So there's some Mm. intrigue and action and excitement. And I remember thinking, you know, hopefully this holds up, but I remember at the time seeing it and I thought that kicked ass. So hell yeah. Hopefully it holds up. Well, let's see. Let's see how it feels when you revisit it. You know, you know, like when you, like a movie that you saw, like 
Like, you can remember a movie you saw when you're 10 and loved, even if you don't remember at all. And you remember a movie you saw last year and, and liked. But sometimes you see a movie and you're like, that was cool. And then, like, five to ten years have gone by and you're like, what? I don't remember I don't remember why it was good or why I liked it. Would I still <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're putting my, my five-year-old taste to the test with this next one. I'm excited. I'm excited. I've never, I had never even heard of, I've heard of it, I don't think, but I watched the trailer and I, it was one of those trailers where I watched, you know, half of it. And then I was like, I don't want to see any more. Just, (laughs) I'm sold. All right. Well then we're going to, yeah, we're committing. That's what we're going to do. Unless something crazy comes up. So yeah, we will see everyone next month with the foreigner. Uh, Stay cool. Yes, stay cool, everyone, and have a great start to your year. And happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I want to...